When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And folks, we had a little bit of a gap from our last episode there, as we did not release an episode last week due to a a pretty scary, unfortunate circumstance that arose with Taylor there, if you want to take it away, Tay. Yeah, last Sunday after the Bills game, I was riding as a passenger in a car and got hit head on by a pickup truck on Big Tree Road. So I'm okay and everyone's actually okay. I don't have any broken bones or anything, but I'm in a little bit of pain still, my chest and hip. So going to the doctor soon to figure out if my hip is actually injured or just hurt for a little while. You know, that's a classic hockey thing. Are you hurt or injured? Well, I'm going to find out soon, uh, which should be interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm okay. I would just say, folks, that stretch if you're ever in the south towns be wary of that little area because the guy that lives in the corner came out to help us and said it was the sixth accident he dealt with that year so if you're near big tree in bayview that little fork thingy in the road careful (laughs) and don't switch over lanes and hit another car head on because i gotta say i was none too pleased especially also yeah new new thing i'm on now if you want to drive a pickup truck of a certain size in america you should have to have a cdl Anyway, I won't go on about that, hmm. but yeah. well, I'm glad so you're was... okay. That's... Thank you. First and foremost, glad that that you and everybody else involved is is doing all right. That is obviously what matters most. So great to see you, my friend. Great to be back talking about hockey. Or is it really? I don't know. Mm. Because as is the case with the Sabres, anytime we get a little crumble of something good, it's like it's one step forward and two steps back. The weekend started off with the Sabres roaring back in the third period against Pittsburgh on Friday, where they scored three unanswered goals to claim a nice little three to two comeback win over the Pens. But Taylor... You think, all right, well, again, another one of those instances where Sabres get out to uh, an early deficit, have a comeback win in the third, but ended up getting the win regardless. So, you know, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, just the premise of playing maybe not your best game, but still being able to walk away with a point or two points and how satisfied you are with it, so on, whatever. You wake up the next day, day gets started a couple hours in and boy oh boy it's the news that literally all Sabres fans have been waiting for that the team called up Yuri Kulik and Isaac Rosean from Rochester set to make their debuts on Saturday night and it didn't go well it 
was brutal, Taylor. It was brutal. The Devils went up four to nothing in the first period where they outshot the Sabres 18 to three, 18 to three in the first. Sabres end up down four to nothing. Ultimately, oof, it was an ugly one. A seven to two loss for the Sabres. They looked lost. They didn't look like they were playing together at all. They were chasing. It was just a messy, messy, ugly performance on all fronts on Saturday. And as has been the case, like we said, anytime you think you, you gain an inch, you go back two more. So Taylor, give me your thoughts on the weekend. I know that a lot happened between the two games and Kulik and Roseanne getting called called up. Let me know what your thoughts were on this past weekend of Sabres hockey. They played one good period, basically. Maybe one and a half, if you want to count half the first period on Friday. So I was lucky enough to be in attendance Friday. Uh, and it was really, a, I thought kind of uh, things were falling apart a little bit throughout that game. Like from, it was quiet in the arena. And then there were some definite boos at the end of the second period. Uh, for those who missed the game, the first period, I guess, was a pretty even affair for the most part. In the second period, the Penguins really took it to them, took a two nothing lead. And it wasn't so much that they were all over them. The Sabres definitely had their share of possession. I don't want to say chances because the Sabres took a lot of shots and they were not quality shots. They were not getting good quality shots. They were not getting dangerous shots. Uh, and I th- I don't know if there's a few reasons for that, but I did note like at the beginning of the game, like, hey, cool. The Penguins are starting Neto Jokic. That's good news for us. He's not really good. They actually have a guy who's been pretty good this year and Tristan Jari one of the league leaders in save percentage and he wasn't in. So that was a huge break. And the Sabres just threw a lot of crappy uninspired shots at the net. And then it all changed in the third period. The Sabres really took it to them. And I thought there were a lot of great plays, not even just the goals. It it seemed like the Sabres could have had five goals that period. Uh, And then even at the end of the game with the empty net, Dylan Cousins with that incredible uh, hustle play to stop the icing from happening, which was huge. And UPL was really good in the game as well. He made sure it was a reasonable deficit going into the third period. But still, that's one good period. And then what we saw Saturday, I don't even know what to say about Saturday. It's the worst game they've played in forever. They had 11 shots or 12? Uh, something like that. They had five, I want to say, through two periods. I think through two periods, the Devils might have had more goals than the Sabres had shots. That was very much uh, in question at one point who was going to have more of that. It was abysmal, and it's it's the kind of game you can't have. New Jersey has not been all that great this year. Their goaltending hasn't been great. Just putting decent shots on that should have kept you in that game, and they didn't. And, yes, it wasn't the best goaltending game, but I, I can't put that on the goaltending. The expected goals, quote-unquote, that game, I don't think I've ever seen something like this before. It was like four and a half to point seven. The Sabres scored twice on power plays, which is – I guess we could say that. That's one nice thing I can say. Power play. Wow. Yeah. He scored the power play. Um, Yay. Also Taylor 38 to 12 was 38 to 12. It's crazy. Normally when the devils go up three, nothing in the game within like 10 minutes or so, that is the kind of game. That's the recipe for the advanced stats being kind of meaningless uh, for the rest of the game. Like any any stats, shots, uh, Corsi expected goals, anything. It is totally thrown off because then, the Sabres in that case can usually be taking way more shots. The Devils will be playing more passive. I guess to the Devils' credit, they weren't passive and kept taking it to the Sabres. To the Sabres' lack of credit, at no point did they, I, I hesitate to say this, but seem interested in winning this game. And 
there was some discussion about this. Back-to-backs are tough, especially when you're home for one and you got to travel for the next one. New Jersey is not that far away. East Rutherford is not that far away, folks. No. The Devils were also playing it back-to-back, so the difference is what? You had an hour and 10-minute flight? I know you don't fly, coach. I know you're not waiting in an airport lounge for hours, getting a delay. You, you fly very well. Like It's you, an hour flight. Come yeah. on. It's, it's like not having a flight at all. I've flown to New York many times. So that's it's just really not an excuse to me. For me, it's basically equal. You both played the night before. You both played a tough game the night before at basically the same time. This is ridiculous. It's it's that it's insane. That should not factor into it at all. But God, that was this is devastating. And it what a way for Kulik and uh Rosen to make their debuts. It's it's bad. Just literally everyone, every single player in the team was bad. Yeah, I mean, it was it was certainly not ideal by any means. If there one, if there was one other little thing aside from the power play, that at least is something that hopefully could be a positive for the future potentially is the fact that Ryan Johnson played twenty five oh one of ice time in this game. That's his career high to date. At least he's not getting this whole like the. 12 minute treatment like how he got against Pittsburgh I mean Christ like let's look at his games here he's, he's got 10 games played so far his first game 820 second game it goes up a little bit you have 1926 third game against Minnesota he plays 18 minutes and then it starts to dip then it goes to 11 minutes and 18 seconds against Pittsburgh he plays just about 16 minutes against Boston, just about 17 minutes against Winnipeg. And then it goes down again. It goes 12 minutes against Chicago, 10 minutes against Washington, 1239 against Pittsburgh. And then he shoots up to 2501 against New Jersey in this one. So if anything else, I'm hoping that, or if nothing else, I should say, I hope that Granado is realizing that Johnson is this team's third best defenseman right now. He at least has been this season. I think we have talked at length about the struggles of both Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton. We haven't even really gotten into the struggles of Matias Samuelson this year, which I think is a whole other issue that we should probably talk about at some point here. But at the very least, I think this is a good sign and hopefully a sign of things to come that Granado will continue to lean on Johnson and play him the minutes that he rightfully deserves. Yeah, absolutely. I think with Samuelson in particular, it's disappointing that between these last two years, this is like his sixth different injury. Like, it doesn't seem like it's one thing. It's a lot of things. That's unfortunate. Like, that's not some marking against his character or anything like that, but it's it's something you have to be concerned with if the guy is getting hurt this much. Like, how much that is affecting his play. I think it absolutely is affecting his play, and I'm not sure he's the same guy he was last year so far. But yeah, it's, it's good to see Johnson playing the way he is I I think it was kind of an open question last year whether Johnson was well first of all if he's even going to sign here and then second like what what he would look like if he did so it's Mm -hmm. that's yeah like you said one of the lone bright spots so hopefully he keeps playing he should not be taken out of the lineup for I mean basically at any point I don't think unless he starts to really struggle which hasn't given any indication that'll be the case so far well so Taylor let's talk about things big picture with the sabers right now a main talking point that a lot of people are bringing up that we've talked about a lot plenty of folks are is the fact that it seems like what's best for Devin levi right now is to go down to rochester get heavy minutes down there get a little bit more adjusted to playing at the professional level because of the fact that unlike last year your goaltending isn't killing you 
obviously it was a rough performance on Saturday against New Jersey, but we talked about that. You had covered the fact that it really is hard to pin that on the goaltending just because of the fact that it was the entire team that was looking so lackluster. UPL has been off to a really strong start this year. Probably the best that he's looked on a consistent basis is in his career. Granted it is early on in the season, but fact of the matter remains goalie is not killing you right now. That is not what's keeping this team back and what is contributing to all of their struggles. With all of that being said, we talked about it in recent weeks, whether it's the roster construction, whether it is the deployment, whether it is the optimization, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of contributing factors here for why things have, even though the Sabres are in the mix right now, gone so wrong off the start here, off the bat, where we haven't felt good about how they've looked on a consistent basis in, in quite some time here. So, I mean, where does the arrow turn for you here, Taylor? Like, what needs to be fixed first and foremost for the Sabres to get back on track in a consistent basis? The biggest thing they could probably get is, like, Tage back in the lineup. But beyond yeah. that, that's a hard question to answer if it's just one thing because it really is the offense in general. That's that's the huge concern to me. And maybe if you want to look at someone who's been uh, a concern while – seemingly healthy-ish, is Cousins. Their Cousins has been a huge disappointment. Like, someone, I forgot who it was, put out a graphic of the Sabres, even strength scoring rates, and, like, where all these guys line up. And Zach Benson is very high in it. I think that was the point of the tweet. But when I looked at it, I said, wow, Dylan Cousins is not very high there. Dylan Cousins is behind a lot of people. Dylan Cousins makes, like, $7 million a year. Like, he's supposed to be your 2C. The way he played last year, he played, like, an ideal 2C, young guy who needed to get better in his own end and maybe whatever improvements come in that end it's it he's been uh it that's been dwarfed by his regression in the offensive zone it, that's creating chances passing forechecking all of it he just has not been the same guy and i think like we've seen tuck get better throughout the year i think tuck is almost back to where he was last year uh skinner has been scoring that's what he does tage is hurt that's unfortunate i mean tage was not playing as well as we wanted him to when he was healthy but We'll see what you know what happens when he gets back and he's actually healthy. But yeah, Cousins is the one that to me is killing them so far. The absence of Quinn is big. Uh it's not great that Greenway's gone. I don't know if we even have an update on that. And Gergensen's is also injured now as well. But <sighs> Cousins is the number one thing to me. But if I can point out how bad they are in this regard, Brendan, do you know what Columbus, Ottawa, Calgary, Seattle, Nashville, Philadelphia, Arizona have in common? That's a lot of teams. I don't know what. They've all scored more goals this year than the Sabres. The Sabres were fourth in scoring last year. Those teams I just mentioned, mm. they've all scored more than them, more than the Sabres. And only Seattle's played more games than the Sabres. So maybe the Sabres, if they, in their makeup game, scored four goals, they'd be ahead of Seattle of all those teams. But God, that's a lot of teams that we don't think of as a very dangerous offensively that Bad. are ahead of the Sabres in goals right now. Yeah, that's... That's really bad. I, I, you know, and I think it's funny too. not funny. I shouldn't say that, but I think one of the things to look at, like you said, I think cousins is obviously the glaring example here. Nine points in 19 games is just simply not going to cut it. And it's more than just the raw numbers. It's his impact on the ice, his defensive play, his uh, ability to control play in the offensives. I mean, it's just been a, a shell of what he was last year unrecognizable compared to how dominant at times he was last year, where it was like, okay, like this guy is on his 
true NHL trajectory now. He is stepping into his own. He is becoming a legitimate top six center that is an impact player. And you've seen that maybe for like a, a period or two at a time here. Like it has not at all been on a consistent basis. And, you know, even you look at a guy like Tage, for example, Tage has been having a fine start to the year. I want to preface by saying that, like, you look at all of his underlyings, it's been great. His defensive play has greatly improved this year, which is excellent for him and his long-term development. But it wasn't falling for him in the way that it was last year. And not to say that that's, you know, some sign of, like, intense regression or anything like that. I think to a degree, once he gets back and he keeps playing the way that he's playing, if he is able to do that, I should say, that it's going to start falling. He's going to start netting more goals. But, again, he really, like, the the finishing touch hasn't been there to the degree that you would like it to be for a guy that is locked in as your 1C long-term here. You know, you've had a lot of these other contributions, though, from throughout the lineup that, you're getting more consistently than you were last year. Like we know what an excellent start to the year middle status had. Paterka has been just such an unbelievable bright spot this year for this team. I think it's just been incredible seeing how his game has blossomed. You're getting really nice contributions from an 18 year old Zach Benson, who we got to talk about that goal on Friday. First NHL goal, man. Talk about a whoo. Talk about an intro. Friday or Wednesday. Oh my God. I'm all backed up because of, uh, it was on Wednesday. You're right. Sorry. I'm all backed up because of the uh, the holiday there. I, I apologize. Wednesday and Friday were like conflating to me. But with that being said, though, what a welcome to the NHL with a first goal. Obviously, he's had a bit of a run here and he hasn't had a lot of puck luck. He's had a lot of really good contributions in the offensive zone. We've seen the defensive side of his game jump out at you. You know, something that was very highly touted when he was drafted and throughout the draft process, I should say, for that matter. But man, oh man, what a goal that was. Anyways, though, you're getting a lot of these contributions down the lineup. And now the fact of the matter is, is that again, you like when you need Dylan Cousins the most, he's not coming through for you. Like this would be the time that you need him to step up just beyond words without having Tage and without having Jack Quinn. And you gave him the seven year deal for this very reason so that he would be the guy that would step up should an injury happen, what have you. On top of that, again, we've talked about it at length. It, it 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 deservedly so should continue to be talked about. Just that they did not do anything to their forward group this offseason. They sat on their hands. They didn't do anything. They didn't try and get better. They were hoping that the the play of the stars from last year was going to continue and that you'd see some growth from some of the other young guys like Aquin and Paterka there. I don't think they also really did anything to maybe help with the impact of some potential regression there, I would say. A lot of the the issues that they're facing right now are them shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, going 11-7, for example, I think is one you can look at. Keeping Levi up, and which has you know, prevented Kulik and Roseanne to be up on a, a more full-time basis. I mean, that's taking up a roster spot there with a guy that you are clearly seeing night after night just isn't there quite yet. It's not like you're punting on him or anything like that. You are quite literally doing what is best for his development path here. So it's incredibly frustrating that we're we're doing this still where on top of that too, with like lineup decisions, I mean, man, Eric Johnson, I, I, we like the move coming into the area. We, we got why you 
had initially gone out and, and acquired a guy like that in free agency. It's, you know, the defensive game, hoping that he's going to be able to bounce back a little bit from what was a down year last year, having the experience in the room. I get it. Yes. But you cannot be afraid to sit these guys. Henry Yoki Haru, we have ragged on that dude for a couple of years straight now, but he hasn't had too bad of a start to the year. He's been pretty good at the start of this year. There's no reason that Henry Yoki Haru should be sitting in favor of Eric Johnson. True. Right. I mean, at all. And so we're getting to this point now that it's like it's do or die time here where you are, as we said last episode, where you are come January is usually a pretty good indicator of where you're going to end up. And we're just continuing to not see the sense of urgency that is needed for a team that really needs to make the playoffs. And one last point that I want to bring up too, I'm trying to remember who it was. I'm trying to find the tweet and maybe it was uh, Aaron at 23 Sabres. I, I want to say it was him, but somebody had pointed out and, and you may have seen this tweet, Taylor. Somebody had pointed out the fact that it feels like the Sabres. I mean, we know that they have this unbelievable analytics department that they've built with some of the best minds in hockey at their disposal in their front office, Jason Nightingale, Sam Ventura. I, I know there's other guys that I'm just like blanking on right now off the top of my head, but like you have built out a pretty incredible analytics department relative to your peers. And regardless, you don't even have to look at the peers around the league. What the Sabres have in house is more than good enough. It has seemingly helped them a lot when it comes to drafting. I think that's somewhere that makes a lot of sense, but what the tweet pointed out is the fact that it feels as though they're not relying on the numbers and these brilliant hockey minds when it comes to their night-to-night lineup decisions. Because again, what the numbers are telling you about Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton and Opozo, Gergensons, are not what the numbers are saying are not at all in line with what decisions are being made in terms of deployment, in terms of who's getting ice time night after night, in terms of who is getting less ice time night after night. Obviously, Ryan Johnson kind of being the most recent example here. Again, seeing what you have there, like why did it take so long for Kulik and Roseanne to get called up? I'm happy that they called them up. Don't get me wrong. But again, it's more this premise of like you have this robust analytics department to what degree are you actually relying on them? Because it doesn't feel like as much as they should be, because if they were, the numbers would be telling a much different story than what we're getting on the ice night in and night out. What are your thoughts on that? I think, I don't know. That's a tough one. Cause I don't know. Do you think there are analytics departments in the league where they're telling the coach what the lineup should look like? No, not necessarily, but I think it should inform your decisions night after night. I don't think it's the sort of thing where Sam Ventura is going to call down to Granado and be like, Hey, you know, you need to like lessen Eric Johnson's playing time. You need to ramp up Ryan Johnson's. No, but I would like to think that there's some level of coordination there between the front office and the coaching staff that they are in frequent communication with one another and are able to say, Hey, you know, what are you seeing on the ice? And how does that reflect with what we are seeing by the numbers here? Let's make our decisions based off of that so that we can come to a common ground. And I think for the most part here, unless you have some in mind, but like I can't think of many instances this year where by and large, the 
analytics, the underlying numbers aren't matching up with the eye test. Would you agree? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, for mo- for the most part, yeah. So that's kind of my point is like you would have to think that there's there's some level of coordination there. And, and somebody had even mentioned in the tweet too, I, I got to find the exact one because I want to properly attribute it. But you're not just bringing in an, an, uh, an analytics department like that just to create draft models for you. Like this needs to be across the board. It needs to be for your, obviously your amateur scouting, but also your professional scouting, your in-season scouting, how you are going about deployment decisions and whatnot. Like there needs to be some level of communication there. And I would just be very curious to know what that exactly is. We should get the evolving hockey guys on here again to talk about this. Cause I'd be very curious to hear what their thoughts are. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation. Anyways though, what are your thoughts on the, that premise? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel like they are operating that analytically at the moment, actually, like even looking at the off season, there's a philosophical thing about making big moves or not making big moves, but I, I don't know the Clifton one. I think a lot of people did like that move, even on the analytics side, the Johnson one, definitely not. And I, I know that was a, a, a leadership type play, but I don't know if that was a very analytically sound move, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's the kind of thing that's hard to, to know what without being like back there. But yeah, when you're looking at the lineup now, you wouldn't say like, Oh yeah, they this is a very analytics forward organization. With that being said, it's tough though, because the guys, a lot of the guys we're talking about, whether that's Oposo, Eric Johnson, whoever else, those guys in particular are not guys. That's easy to bench. You can't, it, not that you can't, but it's not, it's not as easy to bench Oposo as say like Tyson Jost. So I, I get that, that there's a, there's some kind of um, disconnect there, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's tough. I, I wouldn't say that it looks, it looks like there's a lot of good collaboration now in that front from the outside. It doesn't seem great because there's a lot of weird decisions continuing to be made, but before uh, we get to anything else, do you want to hear a word from our sponsors? I, I quite literally would love nothing more in my entire life. All right, folks, this show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Well, here on Monday night, we got the Sabres in New York to take on the Rangers at MSG. To put it lightly, the Sabres are not favored. Uh, if you're betting on the Sabres, money line, you get plus 150, and they are goal and a half underdogs. So over under six and a half. Interesting. Do with that what you will. But if you're looking for any any lines in any of the games in the NHL, or really any sport, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Folks, it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but honestly, 
I don't think it is. I think now is the right time. And it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and the pack calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season right now. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. You've heard me talk about Raycon products before, such as the incredible Everyday Earbuds. In fact, Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like those Everyday Earbuds, known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features, like 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. This past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro-USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Their faucet filter ultra-filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's must-have for ensuring the water used to wash your face and brush your teeth is actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything site-wide with select products up to 50% off. So beat the beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on the Raycon early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. I ended up finding the tweet, and I was right, Taylor. It was Aaron at 23Sabers. The tweet itself was, the acquisitions are like 90% Granado guys or someone with relevance to the org slash roster, and they've shown no interest in using numbers to avoid situations like Eric Johnson playing every night. So my question is, what do the numbers guys do? Draft models? Is that it? And he goes on to say, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of value in having draft models, better than nothing, but they have some of the best minds in hockey at their disposal, and it feels like they're barely using them to their advantage outside of the draft. From the outside, it certainly does feel like that. It does. It does. It absolutely does. I mean, so with that being said, Taylor, let's take a look at where the Sabres go from here as we are now preparing to turn the calendar to December the Sabres still have two games left in this month, starting off on Monday night against the New York Rangers. And then they follow that up with a matchup on Thursday against the St. Louis Blues. As we then move in to December, we have a Saturday matchup against the Carolina Hurricanes, following that up on Sunday with a home matchup against the Nashville Predators one week from today. So, Taylor, four games over this next week here up until December 3rd. How are you feeling about these and how imperative is it that the Sabres walk away with more than half of these games? It is super important. And it's incredibly important. You said earlier where you are in January is January. You end up that actually is kind of true. Even earlier on Thanksgiving, traditionally 12 of the 16 playoff or 12 to 13, depending on the year, 12 of the 13 playoff spots are basically set. In that, on average, of the 16 teams sitting in the playoffs on Thanksgiving, somewhere between 12 and 13 make it every year. That's the average since the lockout. So that's, you're probably wondering which lockout. The big one. So that's that's kind of big. That's this modern NHL we've been dealing with for almost two decades. That's the average. So most teams that are in the playoffs, they're in. And the Sabres aren't just on the outside looking in. Yes, we know points-wise, they're not actually that far away. 
but there are a lot of teams they have to be slightly better than, which means that they have to be really good because some of these teams that I'm going to mention right now are going to be really good to end the season. Some of them are going to fall off. But what should concern Sabres fans right now, especially, is that functionally, they're really only ahead of Columbus. Columbus has 16 points in 21 games. There is such a weird disparity in games played right now that it's hard to look at this. Like the Sabres are only two points behind Washington. Washington has four games in hand. So really, Washington points per game wise is way ahead of the Sabres. Now they could lose those games. That could always happen, but that's tough. That puts it in the other team's hands because the Sabres have 21 games played. Uh, no one else in the conference has more than that. So right now, Ottawa and New Jersey have fewer games played, but they're both at exactly a point per game. Pittsburgh is also exactly point per game. The Islanders, Carolina, Philadelphia, all slightly ahead. Toronto and Detroit have 23 points in 19 games. Then you have Tampa at 25 and 21. Florida at 25 and 20. And the only teams that are really far ahead of the Sabres are Boston and New York. So, like I said, a lot of these teams can be caught. But also, like, I, like I'm like i saying now, the only teams that are behind the Sabres in points percentage, the, or sorry, the only team, team singular, is Columbus. The Sabres, the team they're most similar to so far this year, should worry you a lot because they're 9-10-2 like the Sabres. They've scored exactly 59 goals like the Sabres. They've given up five more goals than the Sabres have, so their differential is five goals worse. It's Montreal. Granted, they've been lucky with a lot of overtime and shootout wins. They only have three regulation wins, which <laughs> that's not great, but that that's a huge concern. They're basically they functionally uh, through a quarter of the season are as good as the Canadians, mm. who we all basically everyone in the world picked to finish last in the division this year and picked top five to seven again. It's that's it's a I to put it to say it's a concern is putting it uh, mildly. Pittsburgh, who they just beat, Pittsburgh's ten and ten. The Islanders are eight, six, and six. Carolina's eleven and eight. These teams are not running away with it. Even for example, Ottawa. Uh, we have Ottawa has five games in hand on the Sabers. I don't know how that happened. This what the season. hell? But they're they're eight and eight with no overtimes. Uh, so that's. I don't I don't know what to say about that. But this is bad. Let's just put it in perspective. They're fighting with Ottawa, New Jersey, Montreal, Pittsburgh. The Islanders, Carolina, Washington, Philadelphia, Toronto, Detroit, Tampa, and Florida. Right now, all those teams are catchable. But you're behind all of them, except Montreal, who you're tied with. You were behind everyone else. And the Sabres have more games played than all of those teams, too. That Well, I mean, so technically, they're not really behind uh, New Jersey and Ottawa right now. But, like, points per game-wise, they're behind New Jersey. Yep. So, yeah, that could be different in two weeks, but it needs to actually start happening. And it needs to start happening at a time when you have some injuries. Of course, this is an opportunity, though, with things moving kind of fluid with the lineup. We don't really know what's going to happen with Gergensen's or Greenway. Because as far as I know, we don't have a big update on either of them, right? I don't believe so, no. So, Greenway, I mean, they're missing Greenway, no doubt. But with Gergensen's, that does give them a chance to try some different things out, have some different forwards in there, and, you know, maybe give Kulik and Rosen more of a look. I don't know. It, overall, it's 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 very concerning where they are right now. Absolutely. I mean, it's worrisome to say the least. And it really, you know, the the thing is, is that it feels like a lot of the answers are in front of them here. They just need to do this stuff at a consistent basis. Like Kulik and Roseanne need to be up. 
They need to be. They get. They need to be getting ice. I know, obviously, it's through the way of injuries right now, but they need to be getting ice time because they give you a better chance to win with them on the ice. And again, that is a huge problem because it lends to the fact that they should have done more this offseason, and they didn't. They they signed two veterans and gave themselves a pat on the back and said, nah, we'll be good. We're going to just do something that we hope is this historically unprecedented occurrence. It was a huge, it was a huge problem then. It's a huge problem now, and we're and really we're starting to see the cracks in the construction of this roster. And so, I mean, you probably at least need to pick up three of four, or else you're going to just keep falling behind. Because let's be real here, New Jersey's not going to be 500 for the rest of the season. They are going to jump you. Then you're going to have to worry about who ends up falling out of the mix. Washington is a lot better off the start. Uh, at their start than we had thought that they were going to be. Same thing goes for Philly. You would have to think that there's going to be some level of regression there. I mean, Philly is 11 and nine now only has 23 points. So you got to think that they're going to probably start falling off pretty soon. At which point you likely see Carolina and New Jersey step into those spots and to the two and three spots. And it'll be a, uh, a race between the Rangers, hurricanes and devils for those top three spots. Will we have to seriously deal with Philly and Washington? I don't know. I think that I was a little bit more in the preseason uh, worried about Washington sticking around than you were. Not to say that I thought that they were going to be better, but I still felt like Washington was going to be in the mix. I think Philly, the wheels are going to turn out, are going to fall off at some point there. But yeah, as you had mentioned, went through, those are a lot of teams that you're going to be fighting with. And for what it's worth, it's, pretty much every single team that in the beginning of the season, everybody rightfully pointed at and said, what are you doing to separate yourself from them? What are you doing to separate yourself from the pack? Because it's going to be a big log jam in this wild card race right now. And they didn't do anything. And now here we are relying on hopefully two 19 year olds to be able to step up and provide the additional scoring punch that this team needs. Of course it goes without saying injuries, are always going to play a role in this. And them not having Tage right now is extremely unfortunate. He's not going to be gone forever, though. Jack Quinn isn't going to be gone forever. And you're going to have them both back probably by the turn of the new year. So it is imperative that in the meantime, over this next month, you pick up as many points as you possibly can so that when you actually are back to full strength here and can ice the best lineup possible, you need to be in a position where you're at least in striking distance right now. But if you keep doing this back and forth, 500 bullshit, you're going to be out of this by the new year. And we're going to be stuck looking at prospects again, by the time February or March rolls around. Do I think that's going to happen? No, not necessarily. I think that there's a lot more time, not a lot more. I mean, but you have some time still here, but how these next few weeks are going to go until Tage and Quinn are back that's pretty much going to decide your season for you. It's do or die time right now. And you need to do whatever you can to put this roster in the best position possible to win. And it's not by carrying three goalies. Well, yeah, that's, that's one thing. Absolutely. I think uh, the Levi it's working itself out. Like the answer is obvious right now. UPL is a starter. Comrie is a backup Levi in the AHL unless things change drastically, which they could, but unless they do, that makes the most sense. And that's not some problem with Levi. I don't know how many times we have to say this, but Ryan Miller got sent down when he was older than Levi. Older than, I think, two years. In the Ryan year, Miller also had three or four season. 
also had three full seasons worth of AHL time before he ended up coming up on a full-time basis to the NHL. That obviously is not to say that Levi needs three full seasons or anything like that, but like a year wouldn't hurt. Yeah. We should say the Miller thing, he, he like Levi was supposed to be the starter in 03, 04. And he bombed way harder than Levi did. It'd actually be better if Levi was worse than he was. Cause I would have to make, that would make up their mind for them. Yeah. Uh, Miller was like in the high seven hundreds after a few games and they sent him down. They also had Mika Norn and Marty Braun at that point, And those guys are a lot more reliable than UPL and Comrie. Uh, but it's also, you know, it's worth saying Miller was really good in the AHL in 0304. And then the lockout happened. I'm sure he probably would have been up to start 0405 if there was such a season. There wasn't. That might have also been beneficial. So he was super ready in 0506 when he finally did come up. Uh, but I, uh, real quick, though, I did want to say with the East, uh, it's been a quarter of a season. So even if the standings right now don't tell the full story of what the season will be like, although they kind of do, uh, I think uh, there's we're really in surprise territory. I think there is a team that's going to fall off hard. Not hard, but it's going to fall off and not be a part of it. I think it's going to be the Capitals more likely than Philadelphia. Do you really? Wow. The Capitals' underlyings are pretty bad. Uh, In fact, their overlyings aren't all that great. They have a negative five goal differential. Yeah, Like, they're a classic winning one goal games, winning overtime games. And they're getting good goaltending out of Lindgren more so than Kemper. But still, like, they're getting decent goaltending out of someone. Their underlyings are pretty bad. Do you think the same would be true of Philadelphia, given their roster? Really? No, not at all. And I don't know what to say about that. I don't know if this is just John Tortorella tough to play against hockey that's really working or or what to say about it. It's very strange to me. Uh, But Philadelphia's underlying numbers are not bad. Like looking at right now at Money Puck, expected goal percentage, right? Which just to check in on the Sabres, they're 25th right now at 48%. Not good. Uh, the Sharks are one of the worst teams ever. They just got over 40%, though. Hey, Woo! good job, Mike Greer. Chicago's down there, obviously, Montreal. Ottawa's 29th. That's interesting. I didn't know they'd be that bad in that regard. St. Louis is 28th, no surprise there. Washington's 27th. So they're even behind the Sabres at this point. Uh, and then looking up at the top of the league, Philadelphia is significantly higher than you would think. So the Kings are the highest. That's interesting. Not great goaltending. Not weirdly. Sam Talbot's been all right, though. He's been all right. Yeah. Actually, you know, he's been fine goaltending wise. But yeah, the Kings are good. So I won't say anything bad about them. You wouldn't think they'd be number one, but they're number one by quite a bit. Edmonton's really high, but they've had basically the worst luck in the history of the world. Philadelphia's eight is what I was getting at. They're eighth a quarter way through the season. So I think they at this point, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but they count to me as more of a surprise team than anyone in the league. Sorry, anyone in the East. Vancouver's number one in the league, no doubt. But yeah, Philadelphia. Not not gonna go quietly, in my opinion, but my my guess is they end up like ninth or tenth in the conference. Which I think would be better than expected for them. Hundred percent. Yeah, people thought they would be picking top five. I thought they might be picking top five. Mm-hmm. Washington, I think they'll probably end up being I don't know. The thing is you could be pretty good and be fourteenth because there's no one that bad right now. So True. That maybe they'll be around there. So do you have any other thoughts on the Sabres before we move on? Uh, you know, not really. I guess I'm excited to see 
them with ideally play a real NHL game with Benson, Kulik, and Rosen in the lineup. Yeah. On Monday, we don't know that, that that'll be the case for sure, but fingers crossed that'd be cool compared to whatever they did on Saturday. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. It's really just going to be interesting to see how they're going to respond on Monday. They they need to come out swinging, to say the least. I mean, it is, it's huge for them. They need to have the same reaction that New Jersey had on Saturday coming out of their loss from the day prior. So we'll see. And it's going up against a really good team in the Rangers. Will we get Shesterkin? Maybe, possibly. But then again, Jonathan Quick has surprisingly been okay for them too as a backup. Has had a pretty good start to the year here especially in the time that Shesterkin has missed, but now he's back in the lineup and has been starting for them over these past couple of games here. Yeah. It's just really going to be, how are they going to respond on Monday? And for Granado's sake, what the deployment is going to look like, what the line combinations are going to look like, because until we start to get a little bit more consistency, the questions are going to remain about Granado's ability to properly construct this lineup and to get the most out of the players. So it should be interesting, but Taylor, we are recording this now. We are just, just over an hour away from kickoff between the bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I always love when we record before bills games, because it's really fun to listen to usually how wrong we are for the most part after the fact, when we record before games. So give me your outlook, Taylor bills, Eagles, who is walking away with the W what's going to happen in this one? Well, I hope I'm wrong. Oh, let's hope the wrongness continues because I think the Eagles are going to win. I think it's going to be annoyingly close. And I think in like a 27-21 loss where the Bills definitely could have had it at the end and they don't for whatever reason. And then everyone just kind of grumbles all week. And there's all the Twitter arguments. Guys, Buffalo Twitter could be in a really bad place Monday night if there's another bad Sabres loss to the Rangers, which DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports uh, betting partner of this podcast and this network, they seem to think that's going to be the case. Folks, I'd say, you know what? Don't get in an argument on Twitter if you can if you can help it. Don't get all mad. It's not your fault or the other person arguing with's fault that sports are misery. So if you can help it, just like log off for a bit and I don't know. Go for a walk or something. Okay. Get some... uh, 20, 27 21 Eagles. 27 21. All right. Oh, God. I'm worried, Taylor. I'm worried. I feel like it was good. I feel like it was nice seeing some of the stuff from the sideline last week with Josh seeming like he's getting a little bit of his mojo back. But mm, it feels like if they lose this game, that like playoffs are like really, really off the table here. And I just I don't have the confidence that they're going to be able to win a shootout with the Eagles. And I'm sadly going to also pick the Eagles in this one, but prove me wrong, please. Josh, prove me wrong here. I will go. Mm, Let's pick a real weird score. I'm going to go. Thirty-one seventeen Eagles. I don't think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be bad, but I suppose we will see. Taylor, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for our Monday episode? Nope. Good. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And of course, make sure you're following 
both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode, please leave us a nice little rating or review as we would very, very much appreciate it. And last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors. Oh, God, we love them so much. That being DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals at checkout. And, of course, Raycon. Raycon Raycon.com slash THPN. Take advantage, folks. The holiday season is in full swing here. Buy a wonderful present for the loved one in your life at raycon.com slash THPN. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Sabres.